So I'll just start with a, a welcome. So welcome to the first edition of the Talking Toro podcast with my guest and co-presenter, uh, Peter Bourne. Um, we've been thinking for a while about doing a, a Torino-themed podcast, just for anybody who would like to listen to our uh, discussions on Torino. So this is the first edition. It could well be the last edition, uh, but I will uh, pass over to Peter for anything that he might like to add. No, I think this is just therapy for myself and, and you each week, Rob. If anyone else wants to jump in, they're more than welcome. But yeah, I think uh, I think quite often we're WhatsApping during Torino matches and after Torino matches. So I think we're just letting stuff off our chest. And yeah, just going from the from the Twitter world, there is quite a few like Anglophone or English speaking Toro fans. So we'll try and get a few of them on once we're in, hopefully into a bit of a role in these podcasts and uh, get a few kind of backstories of why people follow Toro and uh, subject themselves to what we do as well but um, yeah we've uh, it's taken a little while to uh, to finally get around to doing this and typically we've chosen it after an embarrassing home defeat against the team in the relegation zone but it wouldn't, it wouldn't it wouldn't be Toro if it wasn't that um if it wasn't after defeat so it had to be it had to be that um I think um it would just be nice to me to, to actually talk to somebody about Torino without um, who actually knows what they're talking about rather than just obviously a lot of people from work or my friends will sort of know that sport Torino so then they'll just comment on a on a game afterwards and it's usually always after a defeat and uh, nobody wants to talk to me after we beat Fiorentina 4-0 um, but yeah after a defeat they'll notice that and then they'll uh, they want to talk but yeah like you said I think it'd be good to sort of maybe try and get a, a few other Torino fans on and see see how they sort of started becoming a fan especially English Torino fans are sort of quite rare but there, there seem to be a few of us about yeah I guess just for just for context because we got a few little features we're, we're going to do later on I I started following Toro in 1992 and you were you were kind of mid noughties or early noughties yeah like 2005 so I was, I was quite a um like I always obviously I think quite say quite often on, on Twitter always always a big fan of Italian football growing up but never really had a team um went to Italy and went to watch AC Milan and Inter uh, but then just read about Torino it was in a in a 442 magazine and it was talking about uh, Grandi Torino and Superga and just, it was something that as a 15 year old ma- massively uh, passionate football fan never heard about it so I, I was sort of amazed that I'd never heard the story before and then as soon as I'd heard about it just wanted to learn as much as I could so I think I went to my game my first game the following year um, and yeah try and get over a couple of times a season, which unfortunately hasn't happened due to the pandemic for a few years. But I'm hoping that next year or maybe the next season, definitely be able to get over. Yeah. So, like me, you've done you've, you've done your first stint of Serie B as well. So, yeah. well, the Rolando Bianchi days, as I like to call them, which is again another great time to be a Torino fan. But I'm sure I'm sure Rolando Bianchi is going to come up quite a bit <laughs> over the next few weeks. But I'm try, I'll, just, I'll just try and get him on. I'll just get him on as a guest. Um, so yeah, should we uh, should we start with a little chat about the Cagliari game at the weekend and uh, it's just gone? Um, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I I, th- I think it's fairly typical of the last few weeks in that I find um, obviously we've been through a lot of turgid stuff over the last few seasons. So to complain, yeah, you know, to complain doesn't seem very gracious. But I think under Juric, there's been there's been a tendency that. I find the game plan is often quite good in terms of the starting 11, in terms of the approach. 
But I find if we don't, if we haven't blitzed a team in the first 20 minutes, half an hour, we're not one or two nil up, um, then teams will start to figure us out, A, within the match, and I think teams will start to figure us out within the season as well. And I, you know, I find if we go a goal down, um, we're not very good at kind of, we've not proven very good at kind of overcoming situations. We've hardly overcome from being a goal down all season. I think we've barely recovered any points. Um, and I find, I find Juric's substitutions, I mean, some of this comes down to, you know, some people will look at the quality on the bench, but I, I always think there's options on our bench, whether it's wing backs, whether it's um, forward players, I think there are options there, but I think there's a tendency to bring on like for like and not really change the game. Or recently he's done this quite strange thing at Venezia when he brought on four players at once, which to an extent, almost worked but I thought the week this weekend with Cagliari was weird bringing on Richie and uh, and Sec with four minutes to go I, I'm not sure I'm not sure either of them touched the ball I think Sec might have touched the ball once I'm not sure if Richie did at all no it was just it was just yeah it was just very very confusing I thought when Bellotti scored that that was the moment really to to take the game to Cagliari and we just became became very sloppy you know again allowed allowed Cagliari to come on to us and there's also a tendency that with any shots the opposition have, they score. I mean, it was it was a decent goal. Uh, I think Milinkovic Savage is probably not much he could have done with that one. But I just feel the defence has probably got to the stage where there's a little bit of a lack of trust with the goalkeeper as well. Um, but yeah, I thought it was quite similar to Venezia game. I don't think we we'd look and the Udinese game as well. I think we, yeah, I'm always quite disappointed in those games where we don't win. But I think if we'd taken points against Udinese and, and Venezia, um, you know, the, our, our league, league position would, would feel a lot better. And also just we would have re retained a little bit of momentum as well. So, yeah, disappointing. And I think we're at kind of quite a key point of the season because we've, we've had a run of, on paper, relatively easier matches. Our home matches, the remaining home matches look quite difficult. I think we've only got Spezia at home. Yeah, you know, of, of teams we we should be looking at beating, and away from home we're the second worst team in the league. So we can't. There's no guarantee. Even though we you know we've probably got an easier run of matches on the road. We we've got to go to Salernitana. We've got to go to Genoa, and they're picking up a little bit as well. So I still I'm still a bit nervous about getting to 40 points, which is which is probably quite typical. But yeah, disappointing game against Cagliari. I think this weekend's game against Bologna is. Is, is huge really I think we need to win it um, and yeah what the other thing is we're sandwiched between you know a, a defeat against Mazzari and now we're going up against Mihailovic as well so I think um, I think I, I, saw, I saw a tweet after it was in Italian and I used the, um, the delightful uh, translate button just so I can get the sort of full full feeling of uh, Italian fans from from over in Italy as well um, but I think somebody said that sort of our season and if you think after the, the performance against Fiorentina, which was probably the best performance of the season, and then we followed it up with uh, the, I think it was then the Sampdoria game, which was one of those rare games where we did come from behind and sort of did show that we could actually be competing for European football. And then we play Sassuolo and were, again, probably for 90 minutes, absolutely dominated them. Could have been 3 or 4-0 up, would have been deservedly 3 or 4-0. They get the last, the late uh, equaliser. And then I think since then, I think our form has just totally tailed off. And it, 
it seems I, I'm not sure whether it's still a hangover from that game where we were so, so dominant and didn't get the the, the three points we deserved. But I, I can imagine that having won that game, we'd have won three on the bounce, and the whole mindset going into sort of the Udinese, Venezia, and um, Cagliari games are just are just totally different. Um, and and yeah, my concern is that we are sort of just drifting. And I think Juric, maybe at Verona, uh, Hellas was was doing sort of similar, where they they'd reach sort of safety and then they'd just sort of coast around. They wouldn't really, they wouldn't go into um, European contention, but then they wouldn't be in relegation uh, contention because they they just win one in four games. Which, again, like you say at the start, it's compared to what we're used to. I'd much rather be in mid-table obscurity than there being three games to the season left and we're worrying about getting relegated. But I think for how well we've played for large periods of this season, it would be disappointing that the season just peters out and and there's so no real reason to sort of be excited to watch, watch Torino games. Um, I thought at the weekend, especially, Juric has got very strange new signings, even players that he apparently wanted, like Ritchie, it takes a very long time to sort of mould into his system and so that they're ready. Um, the fact that Linetti played the whole game against Venezia despite playing one of the worst games I think any professional footballer has ever played, it would have probably been a, a relief for him when he saw that he was going to get sent off so he didn't actually have to end the game and then turned out that even even he couldn't do that. Um, and then at the weekend, I thought Anseldi, great player, great servant to us, but that was definitely one of his worst games that he's had for us in a Torino shirt and he managed to stay on the pitch for the whole game. So it's, it is strange, um, some of his substitutions, like say, within the game. Um, and I thought, I thought actually after the goal, um, we reacted quite well and um, the uh, Cranio, the Cagliari keeper, made a very good save from, uh, I think it was... Uh, it was one from Piazza, Piazza, wasn't it? Piazza, wasn't it? Yeah, the really, really good save from Piazza. Um, and, and I thought he was quiet, and and probably that was probably the only thing that he did in the entire game. Um, but then as soon as Blotti scored the equaliser, incredible defending by Cagliari, by the way. Um, just to leave Torino's top scorer, like best player and best goal threat, um, unmarked at the far post, um, was was almost impressive. Um, but then we we just stopped playing, and as soon as um, Calgary got 2-1 in front I don't think we created a chance I don't think we even it, it, it didn't even look like we were going to create a chance which which was the worrying thing if, you, if you're creating the chances and you're dominating and you don't score then you can just hold your hands up and say it's just one of those days it's just unfortunate but to not be creating those chances is worrying and, and hopefully we'll see a, see a reaction um, against Bologna on, on Sunday Yeah I think just in the season as a whole there's um... There has been one or two strange things. There's a slightly weird thing with Pobega after Christmas where he suddenly wasn't playing. And I think a lot of that was... Juric has had this bee in his bonnet about Pobega being on loan, hasn't he? he yeah. And and, and to, to be honest, to be honest with him, I do sort of understand that because y- your logic there, when, once we had alternatives for a long, long period of season, we, we didn't have really any alternatives and Pobega had to play because he was one of our best players. Whereas now we have got the... Man- Mandragora's come back and we've got um, Lukic who's having a great season um, so I could sort of understand why would you just continue to play a player who you know is not going to be there next season um, but then but now, now he's just come back straight into the team and I, I, I like him as a player but he's 
uh, to be honest, I, I wouldn't say anything. I wouldn't say anything negative against him because he is one of our best players. He has been one of our best players this season. But I can sort of understand why you might not want to choose him for regularly in the starting eleven because you know that he's not going to be here next season. And the better he does, and the 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 more goals he scores, the more assists he gets, the less likely there is the li- less likely there is that we might be able to sign him next season in that small window that win- uh, Milan might choose to to sell him. Yeah, I think it's a tricky one with Pavega. You almost don't want him to play too well, do you? Yeah. I think there's also a scenario where you don't want to uh, you don't want to, you don't want to drop him because I think he's he's a very effective player. But I also think there is a there is a chance maybe he goes back to Milan. He has a season there and doesn't doesn't kick on. And then in twelve months' time, if he's had a very good experience at Torino, Juric is still there, then we may be at the front of the queue to. To, to sign him and the, the other thing is if the Bremer situation as well because I think that's key we've got a hell of a lot of players either on loan or with options to buy and I think we're there's something like 50 to 60 million euros if we want to keep the team we have yeah that's how much it will cost so chances are we're we're probably going to be looking Bremer's just signed on for another year hasn't he to yeah. so we don't have a blotty situation where the, his contract runs down but I think yeah, there'll probably be there might be a situation where, where Milan are one of those suitors, and then perhaps Pabega gets put in that deal as well. So for me, it's not a completely lost cause. That I think um, I think personally, if you look at the sort of players that we've got on loan, the sort of main three being uh, Piazza, Brecolo, and Priat, I can't see. I can see only Brecolo being signed permanently. I think Priat, depending on the price, could could be purchased. Um, but he's just injury-prone status is probably the reason why he's here and he's probably the reason why he won't stay here because we can't, Torino can't be affording to pay sort of 10, 15 million pounds on a player who gets injured as often as he does, which which is a shame because I think we look such a, such a better team when he's in was it when he's in the side, not only just he scored a few goals and scored a few important goals, but he's just, he's technically probably the best player in the squad. Um, very rarely gives the ball away and, and always makes the right pass. So um, I think that would be a shame if he if he isn't able to stay. But I just I just don't see how Cairo would would make that purchase. No, from what I can tell, I think they've made a almost made a commitment to try and sign Brecolo. Um, I think Pryat they might do something clever where they don't take the option to buy from Leicester, but use his injury record to perhaps negotiate a another deal. Uh, but that, you know that would be one of those ones that could drag on all summer, and on the thirty yeah. first of August or something, we we end up you know signing somebody else. I think Piazza is flattered to deceive. He's he's had one or two good games, but it, it just seems to be kind of typical of his career. There's been flashes, there's been injury spells out, loss of form. He just for me, he just um, he's invisible in too in too many games. Not quite sure what the um, um, not quite sure what the drama was with the derby because he wasn't originally called up to the squad and then just appeared on the bench i think just, it was uh, a technical error i don't think yeah. they put him put him on the on the list of convocati and then they um yeah i don't think i think people were like jumped to conclusions that he trained badly that week or yeah. you know those conspiracy theorists right but i think it was just a, I, I do uh, like an, an admin error here yeah. do you like the fact that that just sort of proves the fact that that, that list of convocati before the game is actually irrelevant because you can basically just add anybody to that squad if you've if you've accidentally uh, if you've accidentally omitted somebody. Yeah, um, I think the other one as well is Mandragora. I think we're there's we have to 
purchase his contract out from Juventus yeah. in the summer. And 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 that's one that's lead on to Bologna. I think he's a a good player. He was suspended against Cagliari, and he's a good player who will, who will return for us. Um, and I think the early part of the season, I wasn't so convinced on him. He made a massive impact last season, but to be honest, bear in mind the, the standard of football that we were playing last season. I don't think it would have been much to be an improvement. Um, whereas the start of the season, I wasn't too sure, and it, it didn't seem like he would have fit into our best eleven. But uh, I thought he was very good against Juventus, um, and uh, I think it was the Fiorentina game as well where he, he was very good. Uh, so hopefully, him being him being uh, free from suspension will will lead to a, a better performance on Sunday. Yeah, I think he's got a nice left peg, hasn't he? And so with he's immediately with him in the team, you've got a nice balance. I think, like you said, Lukic is. Lukic has always been a good player, but he's always there's always been you always feel like he's um, been a bit inhibited or not not really taken on responsibility at times. And I think he's he's definitely improved a lot this season. I think he's got more goals in him. Um, but yeah, I think you're probably looking at Mandraga and Lukic being the that base in front of the in in front of the defense. And then it's a case of you know can we get the creative players going? I think one of the issues. And also looking at like more at the Bologna game as well is that you know essentially we've got two two cut out ways of scoring goals. One is you're relying on uh, on the likes of Brecolo to create space and to create something, and the other one is 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 wing play. I mean, how many times in the last few seasons has kind of announced Albi cross bailed us out? But he, like you said, he just looked he looked gone at the beginning of last season, and then when Nicola came in, you know he he was revitalised and. Was probably key to us staying up. I think. I think Anselmi's legs have just. I, th- I think gone now. his his delivery and his ability to to. I, I still don't know. I've been watching him for maybe three, four seasons. I still don't know which is his stronger foot, and I don't think defenders do either. His ability to to cross with either left or right foot to be exactly the same quality is is impressive. Um, and but my defensively, he he has just gone. I think I think even in the, in the wolf in the wolves Europa League game. I mean, it was against a drama trial race, so he, he was probably excused, but he, he looked like he'd rather be anywhere else. Um, so I, I, I think I, I think I saw some rumours that it might get another contract extension, but I think if he continues to get these one-year contract extensions, he'll be playing until he's 40. Yeah, I'm worried it might be one of those where if he plays a certain number of games, and, and that might get to a situation towards the end of the season where he's not playing because they don't want to. Yeah. And yeah, I, mean, I think you're probably going to come on to your friend Moretti a bit later. Um, but I think Al Saudi is seen within the club in, in a similar way. So I would ex- expect him like, like Berdisa was for a while or, um, you know, to have some kind of maybe scouting role. And I think, I think this may be his last professional contract. And, anyway. and, and in, yeah. in fairness, he's been, a, he's been a great servant to the club. He's even in, Sort of the the terrible seasons of the last two years. He's been one of the bright sparks. Where um, I'll, I'll no longer be able to use the photo of him and Messi, where I put the best player in the world and Lionel Messi. Uh, so that would be disappointing. But um, yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I think I think Sunday's game is probably the the confirmation that that you can't really be playing at this level anymore. From the start, you could, you could maybe 15, 20 minutes to go if you just need somebody to have some consistent delivery, which. Voivoda was so strange that he's been like a revelation at left left wing back, but you put him on his, his natural side, and it was the same Voivoda again. So um, maybe maybe this will be his last season. 
Yeah, I think wing back is a little bit of a concern. For me, at the beginning of the season, we looked short there because knowing the way we play, it would be key. I think Singo is, he's got potential. I think he's, uh, he's still very inconsistent and he's still like the match against Empoli, he's, he's going to make the wrong decisions occasionally. But I think we've got, we've got a player in there. I think, I think he starts too much. I think to use him as impact sub could be more interesting. Ola Reiner, What's I don't know where he's gone, but has anyone seen has anyone seen him since the Cup of Nations? He, he has returned. Uh, he has he has returned, and that was my I, I was amazed he didn't come on at all really in the uh, in the Cagliari game because it was sort of that is I think one of our biggest weaknesses in that squad is that is pace and the only sort of option for pace we've got is Singo, um, and I thought Ina is a is a more natural replacement if if you're going to give Singo a rest or, or drop him or or whatever, but. I get the feeling there's something that's gone on behind the scenes, and I, I, I was never really sure he was committed. He, he, he was committed to Torino until a Premier League club came in, and a Premier League club didn't come in. So, yeah, I, don't, I think it's fair to say he's never truly settled in Italy. He had the season on loan at Fulham. I think, I think he did pretty well at Fulham, and was kind of expecting. I think if Fulham had stayed up, he, he would have kept. He it. played it. He played in back three for Fulham at, at times as one of the centre backs, which. Um, which is something which we thankfully not not tried out at Torino, but um, I, I wasn't sure whether the sort of the influx of sort of English players going to Roma and going to Milan could help him settle. In the fact that he's sort of a lot of ex-Chelsea lads might sort of help him feel a bit more a bit more at home and sort of socialise them during the week, but still don't seem to think that he's um, he's settled. And it's it's a shame because I think there is definitely a player in there, um, but. I think when it, when he's good, he's very good, and when he's bad, he's very bad. Yeah, I think in the summer that those positions will, will need an overhaul. I mean, I mean, signing Mohamed Fariasu. Yeah, that is first, the peak, first, peak first training session. Peak Torino is yeah, yeah. Um, pay, pay, pay for his medical medical expenses for six months and sending yeah. back to Lazio. But yeah, but I think yeah, I think that would be a key position. But I, I guess looking looking ahead to the weekend, uh, I I do this thing every week where I look at. Torres' historical record against teams, and it's always, always seems to be abysmal against whoever. Um, but Bologna's, Bologna's weird. I think we've drawn the last five or four, four or five anyway, Matt games in Bologna. Um, we we did go a long time without winning there, although we. And I, I was there at the game we won, which was one of the worst games of professional was that football the, I've was ever that seen. The Bolo- Bolotti was that the penalty. penalty. Yeah, yeah, the last minute Bolotti penalty. Genuinely one of the worst games I've ever seen and the penalty I still don't think was a penalty um, but yeah we, we we sort of broke that unfortunate record because I think it had been sort of a very long time since we'd won that um, and uh, Mandragora scored a wonder goal there last season um, yeah. from the corner I was, I, I've got a feeling it might, could have been on his wrong foot but maybe I'm wrong but it was it was a great volley from outside outside the area yeah, we've had, I think we had one year, one year we were 2 0. I mean, maybe making this up, I have a feeling we were 2 0 up one year and blew away to a 2 0 lead. That doesn't sound like Torino. And there was another one. This is a, do you remember the first game of the season where Beringer's, where the, the VAR didn't work? Yeah, yeah. Um, Beringer scored a, uh, but I think quite often this match, a point is almost, it's almost suited both teams. And I wonder, Bologna are on a bit of a stinking run as well. I think yeah, they seem to have got, they got to the point where with Mihailovic, which often happens where, you know, I don't know if he's, I think he has a different bond with Bologna that 
understandably he's had it at other clubs so there'll probably be a bit of a patience to to let him see through this situation but you, you do feel with Mihailovic is sometimes a bit of a shelf life they've only and won then, yeah. they've only won one game this year as well which yeah which yeah, sounds bad until you realize Torino have won two yeah. um but I think they've taken four points out of the last six so they're not that fortunately they're not kind of desperate Desperate yeah, I, I, so I, 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 if I was to sort of put my neck out on a resort and I've stopped since, since I stopped writing the blog, I've had to start, I've been able to stop making predictions for Torino games. Um, but I think this has got a draw written all over, unfortunately. Yeah, it could be, it could be a well be a one one, but um, yeah, I find Bologna a slightly strange team. I always look at their team and think, how many of their players would I take? And it's often, it's often this quite strange collection of. Of, journeyman. Um, yeah, journeymen or quite sometimes quite interesting young players, and they often have like an uh, kind of a few Arnautovic types, don't they? Players, yeah. Who've been, who've I think been, Aaron, yeah. Aaron Hickey's been doing quite well there, which is um, sort of quite quite unusual in Italian football to sort of take a sort of nineteen year old from from Scotland and then immediately put him into the first team. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, he seems to be doing quite well. But then they've got Soriano and uh, De Silvestri. One of, one of those two will undoubtedly score. Soriano, because of his unfortunate experience online at Torino, always plays well against us now for Ponya. Yeah. Um, and he always. Can- yeah. As I was say, he's a bit like he's a bit like Candreva in that he always Candreva always plays well against us as well. It's. Uh... He always played well. For, um, Soriano always played well for us against Sampdoria, which is why when he signed, I was convinced it was a great signing. And not for the first time, I was proved wrong. Uh, very good. Do you want to? Do you want to talk about your hero of the week? Yeah. So, we, so a little feature is um, sort of obviously it's the first edition of the podcast. So hopefully you'll get uh, used to this. Is that we've each picked a, a Torino hero and a Torino villain to sort of talk about. Uh, I've been the lucky one, I suppose. And I've been able to talk about my Torino hero. Um, there were a number of possibilities that I could have gone from, but I thought. I'd have to pick one which would unite the fan base to start off with. Um, I think what I'll try and do with this, I'm not sure Peter will be the same, is try and sort of pick people from our eras of, of being a fan. Because um, obviously, it's a you know, very historical club where they've got legends of the past, but unfortunately, I've not been old enough to see them play. Um, so my Torino hero is Emiliano Moretti. Um, I think... When he signed, I can remember watching it. It was one of those weird signs that Torino sometimes make where there's no sort of rumours, there's no um, sort of Ferrari, there's no transfer saga that usually lasts six weeks. It was just on the official website and then Torino signed Emiliano Moretti on a free transfer. And you signed a 32-year-old centre-back. Uh, and you, your immediate thought is, we're definitely cutting the costs this season and we're we're trying to save some money and, and signing free transfers. And again, like I just said, very happy to to be proved wrong. He um went on to be probably one of would probably make my sort of all time Torino eleven um from from the period that I've been a fan. Um just a a very solid left centre back, never let anybody down. Um I think he, he made 198 appearances for the club and scored six goals. Uh, probably my famous goal was I think he scored a very good volley actually from a corner once but another goal from a corner he scored the winner at uh, the San Siro against Inter which I think like Peter said earlier was one of those grounds or one of those fixtures that we we just never seemed to do well at until he managed to score and 
we did we had a, a nice run over those seasons in the sort of Maxi Lopez Mario Acardi derby, um, where we'd, we'd come on the uh, be on the winning side. But um, just if you just think of all the sort of achievements that Torino have managed over the past sort of ten years, Moretti is is a part of them. Qualified for the Europa League in his first season, um, then beat Bilbao in the Europa League. Won the was in the team that won the derby. And then even up until when he retired in, in 2019, um, was was it a part of that squad um, that, that sort of made it into the Europa League um, and, and then retired before before we uh, had a very short spell in Europe. But um, And I think actually his departure is probably one of the reasons why we struggled so badly. We just never found, found that um, replacement on the left side of, of the back three. Uh, obviously, there are issues with Nkulu, um, Lienko's inconsistency, Bremer hadn't quite developed yet. Um, and I don't think, I think if Moretti was a year younger and hadn't retired, I don't think we would have struggled as much in that season um, as we did. But obviously, we're, we're never going to know about that. No, I mean, he's, I think he's a modern day legend. He's, um, I mean, like you said, I remember when we signed him, I mean, again, this might be, misremembering but I have a feeling that was a start of Retiro for of or I remember I remember the players gathering in a hotel in Turin to, to go off somewhere it was either um it was one of the the, the kind of pre-season Retiros and yeah he just appeared didn't he yeah and I remember being as underwhelmed you know as you because he'd played for Juventus so you know which you kind of kind of forget about but you know he was an ex-Juventino 32 years old do you remember who he who he replaced at Torino as well as a left kind of left side of centre back, he, he replaced Og Bonner. Oh wow! I, I didn't even I didn't even clock that those two um, that the, those two players would have because because it was like Ventura at that at that time it sort of gone from his four two four formation to then to then going three at the back, um, and I can all I can remember from Og Bonner's last season for Torino was just how bad he was. Yeah, um, Og Bonner was he stunk in that because it was one season we came up, wasn't it? And Og Bonner. I think he got sent off twice. In, in yeah. I think he got sent off twice, and possibly in like, like consecutive games for him. I think he got sent off, was suspended, and then got sent off again. Um, but whether that was just him just wanting to move or and his sort of heart wasn't in it, then try not. To, he could probably. He may. He may appear in a future episode uh, in the other category. So maybe we'll uh, we'll hold fire on talking about Ophelia too much. But yeah, no, he he replaced he. he re- I'm pretty sure he was kind of brought in to replace uh, replace Ogbonna, but what I liked about Moretti is he looked like he could have played for the Grandi. Grandi- <laughs> he, he looked like he was on, you know, a cigarette packet player from the 1940s. He just had this look, which was not, he's not a modern day footballer. No, I, I can remember, he looked, uh, I can remember, he, I believe he started his career as a left back, but it must be one of the tallest left backs in, yeah. in football history, six foot two. He definitely had the nose for a centre back though. And, um, yeah, just just a really good servant. Like like you say, for the sort of anybody of the sort of last ten years, Moretti would will, will probably be one of their um, favourite players because ne- I never sort of don't, don't think he had social media or anything, so I don't think he'd be one of the people who sort of caused any issues on there. Um, but just just gave it great gave a great performance every every single game and. Yeah, he uh, he will be my first Torino hero. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I think that defence with him, Glick and Maksimovic was one of the stronger ones we had. And then you had, I guess, kind of f- towards the end of his spell with, with Nkulu, um, he had a slightly better defence as well. But I remember that Mihailovic season where he was... Mihailovic didn't... Because Mihailovic went to a back forward, into So the Moretti wasn't... I think he tried to... You know, he'd bring in slightly different players and then we ended up bringing in Moretti and salvaging that season a bit. But, but, yeah, we but, had Castan and um, Rossettini was one. Oh, my, you know. Uh, Ajeti, Carlisle. Ajeti, yeah, don't even mention those two. Ajeti, um, that game against Pescara, I mentioned 5-0 up and then Ajeti single-handedly tried I, to... I still, I still feel that Joe Hart's Wikipedia page uh, under his Torino spell should have a, a big caveat um, where it suggests that he didn't, that that was the defence he had to play with. Um, so all of his stats should be sort of erased from the memory because I don't think any goalkeeper in the world could have kept a clean sheet with that, with those defenders in front of him. Uh, that was, yeah, terrible defensive organisation. And yeah, probably it was a, kind of a weird spell because we thought, you know, generally speaking, we've had pretty reliable defences over the last 10 years, or at least good good centre-backs, but that was a period where, apart from Moretti, we didn't. I, re- yeah. I remember Carlisle playing one game and being relatively competent and thinking, oh, wow, we've, we've, managed to, we've managed to find a player here. And then his second game was absolutely dreadful. Yeah. Um, I, don't rem- I don't remember Carlisle at all, but I think that one just... I've, I've seen enough Bidone to, uh, to kind of, yeah, to kind of forget, forget some of them. But I guess that, as a probably quite a good segue so I've got the villain of the week which um yeah so we've had a lot of bad players we've signed a lot of bad players who've ended up being bad and we've had a lot of Serie B so we've had a lot of you know quite quite average players um but you know what what I've chosen is a pretty good player someone who's been good everywhere he's been apart from Torino so mine's David David Di Michele who um I remember being so excited when we signed him because the summer we signed I think it was the summer we signed Recoba as well. So we had we had this kind of attack of Rosina, Recoba, Di Michele, and then we had a kind of um, we had uh, you know some forwards. I guess they play the three of them. You could have the option of playing the three of them behind a forward line of uh, Stellone, Ventola, um, Bilanovic as well. So it was um, it was a era of Torino which was. We had a lot of stodgy teams, but finally we had, you know, some quite attacking players. Of course, we signed Di Michele. The first thing, he's banned for three months for the Calcio Scormessa thing. I totally, I, I totally uh, forgot about this. I'd, I'd forgotten about that as well. And this then I, I think he was also to, in, injured as well. This definitely uh, needs to be categorised in underneath peak Torino. Peak Torino, uh, yeah. Like, to, to sign a player who then a month later is then banned for three months. Yeah. Um so I, yeah, I, I don't think he appeared until the December of that season. So it was, it was already on the back foot. By the time we get to December, the team's not doing very well. Um, I, think, I think we signed him from Palermo, where we've signed quite, yeah. we've signed a lot, quite a lot of interesting players from there. He was at a good age, I think late 20s, a lot of experience. He'd done well at Regina, Palermo, Salernitana, Udinese. Just, yeah, just a very good technical player, very, very fast, could play across across the front line and then I have to confess I watched some of his highlights at Torino on YouTube and I thought you know as I was starting to doubt myself was he you know because when, 
yeah, looking this back, is, he, this is probably he, probably a reason why you shouldn't look at stats and just look at stats alone. Because I, I did I did look into this and forty six games, eleven goals isn't the worst return um, no. for a Torino striker. But I think we might go on to the reason why he might be um, yeah, I mean, not I think seen as a great Torino a Greek Torino uh, legend. I think there's a couple of things. I think he probably may well have scored the goal that kept us up that season against Napoli as well. Um, but he had he clearly had one or two games where he was able to show his potential. I think he finished that season with six goals. Um, then he went on loan to West Ham for a season. My, my recollection of this is that he did quite well. And whether West Ham fans will correct me, but I can just remember him appearing on match of the day and, and always looking competent in the same way that Simone Zaza definitely didn't when he was on loan at West Ham. No, I always get the Dimichele at West Ham a bit confused with the Diamante at West Ham. <laughs> <laughs> See, yeah. they did really well at West Ham, I can remember. But I can remember, because obviously at this time, sort of around 2008, 2009, I think this would have been, um, I'm not sure if I was, I'm not sure if I was on Twitter. So I don't think like my sort of interaction with Torino was, was probably as good as it has been in the sort of last sort of 10, 12 years. So you, seeing a player like on TV regularly or, or even just on highlights who you know, oh, he's on loan from Torino. And even just hearing, uh, here comes David Di Michele on loan from Torino, was always quite exciting for me. Um, yeah, I, th- I, think he, I think he may have started well. He, I mean, he played a lot of games. So I think he, I think he had a fairly decent season. And he came back to Torino. We'd been relegated. So we're in Serie B. And then he scored... Um, he scored in the opening two matches of that season. We started that season pretty well. It was, a, it was, from memory, it was a season Colin Tuono came in, got yeah. fired, and then came back. Is that right? And yeah, that yeah. Weird, I think weird, weird season with uh, like Papadopolo and stuff. Yeah, I think this, I think this is the season where I first started um, my my old uh, Torino blog, and and it was that sort of well, I think I think you may go on to it, but I think it was a, an adventure an event, eventful uh, birthday party that, that may have uh, led to Michele's downfall at Torino. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't remember so much about that. What I remember was, was there was basically a slightly rotten dressing room around the Christmas time, wasn't there? Yeah. And he, there was um, a kind of whole host of players who, who were moved on. Um, literally, literally, I think we signed probably a whole, almost a whole new team in the January. Um, like a, a number of players left and then a number of players came in including like players from Serie C yeah um, I think the most sort of notable of which was uh, Danilo D'Ambrosio yeah. Um, but yeah I, I can just remember uh, again a lot of a lot of this is sort of going back in, into your memory and, and at the time things probably aren't as discussed as much as they are now so it probably would have just been sort of like a Football Italia article at the time but that sort of re- reminded me of what happened but I believe there was uh, a birthday party and the ultras turned up and basically right, yeah. basically just said, you guys need to leave. And I think the only players in it who, who were there who, who then continued with the club were, were Bianchi and Ogbonna. It might be, might be a few more sort of like uh, squad members, but almost our entire starting eleven just just seemed to leave. So that was a season. Was that the season we finished in the playoff for? Yeah, Russia? and yeah, then we and because Rashid Arma came in and um, and <laughs> sc- scored the goal um, that that almost took us to Serie A. Um, 
but yeah, it, this so this I mean these are the times where sort of watching not only being a, an English Torino fan, um, obviously in England, but then you're in Serie B, like getting any sort of form of like watching the games or or highlights was was a nightmare, and I think I. I think I started watching my sort of first. I remember watching that that Serie B playoff final on Bet Bet three six five had the rights to Serie B. So if you deposited money, you could watch the game on a tiny little screen. Um, you couldn't increase the screen. I never really understood why. Um, so it's literally sort of like the size of maybe like a maybe a football sticker would be the size of your screen, and that's how you'd watch your that's how you'd watch the game. Um, so. Yeah, my memory from the time isn't isn't as good as it, as it was, but I, I don't think I'll ever forget sort of that the story around the uh, the birthday party and and how that sort of led to the I massive yeah, transition. I seem to remember there was like I, maybe Imo Diana, Diana as well. Yeah, yeah. There was a, a few of the others who were Ricardo on, Colombo. Ricardo Colombo. Yeah, um, there were quite a few of them from yeah from from the I say the Novellino days were were hooked out. I think I misremembered. I think that season it was. Colin Turner was fired. Beretta came in for a bit, for barely a few games, and Colin Turner came back. And then the yeah, following he, season, he was the coach season, for the he was the coach for the playoffs, I think. And then was it the following season, Franco Lerda? Oh, Lerda came in. Then Papadopoulos came yeah. in, and I can't remember if Lerda came back. But that was the season where I think we may have had our lowest ever finish, and then that was the Bian- that, Bianchi's that, tears. Yeah, paved the path for the um, for the Ventura years, and yeah, and and thankfully things things have have progressed since then, and. Some of the some of the players that we'll mention in these series will be um, maybe players from that time. Uh, the heroes probably from the from the greater memories, but the the villains will probably be from sort of around those Serie B days and and obviously recent seasons haven't been too kind to Torino either. So yeah, I think Dimi Kelly was it was just disappointing that we signed such a technically good player who. Yeah, it just didn't work out. And I mean, you can say the same for Rakoba as well. Rakoba, I remember how, you know, it was like 8,000 fans going to the stadium to welcome him. And yeah, I mean, he, he, it just didn't happen. Did I, was, I think there might be a common theme here that players who you are excited about signing tend to disappoint. And then players who sign totally under the radar just exceed your expectations massively. Moretti being, being a good example of that. And I think even, Again, we'll probably go on to, to different players, so maybe I'll leave it. But I can remember Bellotti signing and being massively underwhelmed at his goal-scoring record. Um, and he, uh, he, he went on to do rather well. Very good. Well, let's um, let's reconvene after our, after our epic defeat to Mihailovic's Bologna next week, then. Yeah, um, a, a Lorenzo Di Silvestri hat-trick, all three from corners, all headers from corners, I can imagine. There we go. Very good. And um, yeah, like I said at the beginning, let's try and get some of the other Toro fans on in, in the next few weeks and months yeah. as well. Yeah, and so. if uh, any Torino fans out there who sort of fancy getting involved, we'll, um, so it has taken a while to try and get this recorded, but we hopefully our schedules will um, make it a bit easier to sort of get, a, get another uh, party involved. And yet, like like Peter said, it is basically just therapy, just a, just a way to talk about Torino and and to actually talk about somebody who knows what they're talking about is is very good. So it's a nice change from sort of the usual Torino conversations that I have at work. So um, fingers crossed this won't be the last edition and we can get a few more people involved. Cool. I'll well, see you next week, Rob, uh, and uh, Forza Toro. See you next week, Forza Toro.